0: Christians Faith and Capital crossover episode. I'm Michael Tabor. I'm Zachary Allard. I'm Chase Tibbs. And uh, we are here to bring podcasts together. You know, as the Lord says, whenever two or more podcasts are gathered in his name, so he is there. And that's what (laughs) that's what we're going to do today. Uh, Chase, I'm very excited to hang out with you for a bit. We've been following your pod for a long time. Uh, Thanks for uh, thanks for meeting up.
1: Likewise. I mean, it, it's really rare to have like a Christian communist comedy podcast. And so I really do think y'all are a brush of uh, fresh air.
2: It's it's
0: so rare that no one listens to it.
2: That's true. <laughs> no, no.
0: Uh, and likewise, it's nice to be able to listen to a podcast that has some actual thoughts instead of just like dick jokes and heresy. So uh, I really <laughs> enjoy listening to you think actual things about the world and God.
2: Hey, look, I. I like to think the way I combine dick jokes and heresy is fresh, original. You know, that's where the that's where the art comes in, Michael. Heresy it often
0: is.
1: is. <laughs> it is, and there's always these you know kernels of shitty
0: truth underneath all of your jokes. So <laughs> maybe once in a while. So yeah, I love it. That's great. Uh, so uh, where do we start, guys? Uh, we could. We this is very youth group lock-in. Let's open up the floor. What's on yes. What's on people's hearts this week?
1: Mm, Hearts and minds. Yeah,
0: I've been feeling, (laughs) I've
1: been feeling, you know, nervous about my upcoming tests I have at school and my, (laughs) and my many crushes I have with, uh, with with people, you know, like, um, but I have this question I've been wrestling with and I want to, you know, kind of like youth, uh, youth kid to other youth kids. I, I've been wondering why you all think youth pastors like making kids vomit so much i don't know if did you all grow up with that we're like kid we're like youth pastors have this thing where you know let's take like um a big mac and a coke let's blend it together and make kids drink it because it's funny when they get sick i mean don't you think that's kind of fucked up
2: listen okay so i didn't
0: have that michael
1: <laughs> really y'all never did that
0: no, no I, I, missed I don't know it, that i ever made a child vomit And I don't know that I ever personally vomited, but I was definitely, like, party to some ridiculous food-related shenanigans. Uh, You know, I think I've seen this more at, like, bachelorette parties, but I have definitely been (laughs) in the group. The
2: obvious analog. (laughs) Yeah, the
0: obvious analog to youth group. Uh, But the, like, eating chocolate pudding out of a diaper I have done that in a youth group setting. Uh, yes. I don't I don't know exactly what the analogy was there, but I'm sure there was something like, well, this is actually a lot like the early church.
1: Eating shit out of dirty diapers? <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
2: This is the because, persecution because we can persecution. expect under a Biden, oh. Biden oh, administration.
0: Right. Yes, persecution. <laughs> okay,
2: so is it? How is this related to the endless discussion about masturbation vis-a-vis Victoria's Secret catalogs? Wait, do
0: you not vomit when you masturbate, Zach? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: Michael, Michael, we'll talk. We'll talk about this off so wait, air. Tears, let but me like, we, we, we gotta Have talk you about it in a in a
0: youth group related <laughs> setting.
1: Oh, my God. Like, that was just kind of like a rite of passage. It was something like so many of us. (laughs) What the fuck? It really was. It was something like we longed to do, right? Like, when I was a. What? um, Oh, yeah. When you were, like, in elementary, you walk into the gym, and you'd see the gym full of older kids. You're like, man, one day I'm going to be in youth group. (laughs) And they're, like, slinging around, pantyhose filled with, like, flour, right? Or they're Mm -hmm. having some kind of weird, like, relay game. Um, And then there's the special night every so often where the youth pastor is like all right this is going to be a big night and so we want to make i think it's i think it's mostly about like making kids laugh but also i've in my conversation with other youth pastors who have done this kind of shit before i think there's like a there's a real enjoyment of making kids kind of like suffer (laughs) and for them right these are like these like right, back on board yeah so it's, it's really i think it's kind of like like fucked up but oh yeah, there's also this like enjoyment of oh man, I want to eat this and and I'm gonna be the brave kid who swallows this and the, you you never can because it's just
0: absolutely disgusting. No 100. I I'm just I'm now having flashbacks. This is this is this is triggering some things. Uh, but I definitely did the like how long can you hold in uh, in an acid tablet in your mouth before <laughs> like it comes out and yeah really? yeah that that's sort of a. That, that's sort of a gateway drug to the full-on, like, Big Mac blender stuff that you're describing, Chase.
1: Well, i And drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and drug. And masturbation, of course.
2: Of course. <laughs> and... The ultimate drug. The devil's drug. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, maybe at the end, maybe at the end of this conversation, we can all pop one of those pills and um, see who can
2: last longest or something. Yeah,
0: whoever whoever holds it the longest gets to go to heaven. Uh,
2: Speaking of masturbation, uh, okay, so Chase, where did you grow up that you were? that where was this was happening is this a regional thing i know <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. mentioned is this it before like but, can't, but reminder <laughs> well, remind our listeners yeah what, what's the context wherein you were eating blended big macs i don't know i i thought that was normal but um i grew up in
1: first church <laughs> <laughs> first church of god uh, affiliated with anderson indiana there's there's two different okay. i
0: love the name dropping this is such a direct call out very good
1: That's, yeah oh really no no no. i mean they should own it i mean it's like what they do and they and they themselves, I mean, they're proud of it. Yeah, so evangelical of, of of that strain. And there was actually another first church of God, and they're the snake handlers, which would have been cool too. But um, I ended up in
0: this other kind of evangelicalism. The non-snake handling evangelicalism. So what, I, what I'm mm.
2: hearing here... Because the only part of the country I've never really lived is the Midwest or spent any yes. time. Yeah. Is that pe- people in the Midwest like to blend up their burgers and eat them? Yeah. What if this is just like that's what I'm getting? This is this an Indiana thing?
1: Yeah, I grew up in like rural Pennsylvania, um, but it was definitely Midwest. It was, I don't know, might might be like a Church of God thing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like Nazarenes. Any Nazarene listeners out there? Maybe you're familiar <laughs> with it. But I thought it was more common, and and now I'm feeling. <laughs> now i'm feeling embarrassed about me my evangelicalism don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> the,
2: our our, our first upbringings in
0: the church were equally fucked up just in maybe slightly okay. different flavors
2: <laughs> you know what a church of mine did for a couple years when i was a kid they we did we had like i don't know if this is a 90s thing or a baptist thing or just a my church thing but we had for a few years like a yearly water gun fight that was for all the kids, but definitely a high percentage of typically male adults also took play took part uh, partook. Yes, and, and I'm wondering while we're here confessing strange quirks of our childhood, if this ever happened elsewhere.
0: Uh, my church had paintball events. That was like the cool evangelical. Okay. This outreach. was
2: on the, ch- the this was on Sunday on the church grounds right after church.
0: So this is just Columbine training in church format.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. It, it, it was like they'd they'd have the horse shop outside where you would go reload your water guns or is that re- the same horse shop where they, they did the
0: baptisms?
2: Yes. <laughs> oh
0: so this, is, this is holy water. This is sanctified yeah, water, baby.
2: Yeah, baby, get to, get shot in the
0: face. Be uh, be sacred for a week, dude. That's sick. I like both of those ideas. Uh, my, my, my that happened <laughs> was kind of interesting in that my parents actually founded the church that I grew up in. Uh, And so brag, brag, no bigs, no bigs, guys, no bigs. Son Uh, of the founders. That's right. Can I get your Uh, can I get your autograph? uh, No, no, you don't deserve (laughs) it. Uh, So I was sort of the the first youth group. Like I was sort of part of the original crew of kids that came through. And so Mm. they had no idea what the fuck they were doing. And did a bunch of (laughs) insanely stupid and dangerous stuff, including taking a bunch of kids on a, like, fairly intensive backpacking trip, uh, wherein we lost a child for, like, a while. We all went up on a mountaintop at night. It was very cold. We were all told to go off into various corners and pray. And so we all did that. Oh, man. And then we were coming back down the mountain, and we made it solidly half an hour before they bothered to do a head count and realized they had left one of the youths who had fallen asleep (laughs) during the prayer time up on the mountain in the middle of, like, backwoods North Carolina wilderness. Oh, my God. That is wild. (laughs) so... It was an incredible moment of just, like, panic running back up the uh, the mountain to, like, find this kid who was fine. He was still sleeping. He hadn't even woken up. And uh, my one of my all-time favorite youth group memories was the youth pastor who had no business being a youth pastor. The man was just full of, like, toxic masculinity and rage. Uh, and he was just trying so hard to, like, spin this into a spiritual lesson. and failing utterly and you know was something about shepherds and how like you know we went back for the lost sheep but you know none of us are god so that didn't make any fucking sense like we're just derelict shepherds who didn't know what they were doing uh and that was only like the third most dangerous thing that happened on that trip uh i think one kid ended up having to go home because he passed out uh because The people that planned (laughs) it were actual backpackers, and they were like, "Oh, these children can clearly do like multiple miles in full gear every day, and that's going to be fine."
2: Dude, I can't do that. Like, what the fuck? Yeah,
0: it was, it was, it was a great time, honestly. Honestly,
2: look, look. Sometimes I get winded podcasting. You'll hear it on the (laughs) mic, okay? Like, Zach, uh, the Ben Shapiro of our
0: podcast, talks at such a high word for a minute that he sometimes gets a little, little lightheaded.
1: Yeah, and speaking actually of uh, you know you mentioned like toxic masculinity, masculinity. I was thinking like some class analysis here too, and even like whiteness. But yes, um, yes. something like kind of popped in my mind was like the the structural conditions that we live in, um, and evangelicalism as a particular uh, form of religion that emerges. It's just a it's just a bed for this kind of shit to happen, because uh, on one hand mm-hmm. there's like a, there's like a, it's like a strategy right um, to you want to build community by taking kids uh, away from their parents for a week right there's something actually like um, neurologically uh, powerful about that right mo- mo- removing yeah. people specifically from their context. to give yes. them a spiritual it's...
0: experience
2: yes exactly yeah it's called it's called building a cult yeah. but please continue
1: <laughs> sure 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 and then and then on the other hand. Like I myself, I grew up. I was a pastor's kid. Um, I'm a, a white dude and Oh man! I, I know. Welcome. <laughs> yes, yes. Welcome to the party. I was, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a male. I'm gendered as man. Everywhere I go, I'm racialized as white. Growing up in this rural white town, um, I'm given all this, uh, this power and respect and privilege um, in different circles of the community. And then I'm like, well, I want to be a pastor, right? So I'm being raised to think of myself as someone who should have the power. And then I'm taking a position of power. So that's kind of like a recipe for disaster. And then let's take an entire community um, of alienated, exploited, and, 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 and oppressed, like working class and working poor people. And they're being bombarded with the need to like constantly consume, right? This is the early 2000s. Um, and also, the only thing they have to look forward to are the shitty jobs that their parents are working. And yes. so so the goal – so, like, what do you do? You just try to, like, absurdly entertain yourself and others. And that comes out in, like uh, – you know, it, it can come out in, like, abuse and kind of, like, picking on kids. But it can also uh, – I'm just kind of, like, putting this together. It can also come out to let's blend a hamburger and nuggets and a Coke and make kids drink it until they vomit because it's funny – because that's basically what we have in life. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, that's your future. That's welcome to the job market. Drink the fucking coke slurry.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's kind of like this way of or I wonder if it if this is kind of like a unique way of just kind of dealing with the the world in, in a sense maybe. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe I'm just like reading into a little much, but I usually do a little bit of like class, class analysis of uh and even I think like whiteness um and of course masculinity has all everything to do with that stuff too
0: no i mean particularly in the spiritual tradition that i grew up in of southern baptists wherein the only people who had valid voices (laughs) were white heterosexual men um i definitely think that there was a, a elements of like this power structure that existed i i remember being in a youth group setting where uh one of the youths uh had the audacity to question calvinism and watching the youth pastor wow. melt down in <laughs> it's a great it, look it's a it's a time.
2: great comic strip i'm sorry pardon it's a great comic strip i'm sorry i agree with the pastor
0: <laughs> yeah yeah trip. uh yeah and Hobbs. um and it, it was just it was kind of wild and it was one of the first times as a like slightly older youth that i realized like oh like these spiritual leaders that have been given basically carte blanche ownership of like my safety and life for the next mm. hour and a half slash, you know, whatever youth <laughs> retreat we go on like uh, this guy got saved five minutes ago and he's leading a youth group and he goes to a really creepy seminary and uh, maybe <laughs> just yeah. maybe this is not a great combination of <laughs> things. Uh, as he berates this 14 year old who has the audacity to question why god would just arbitrarily send people to hell
1: yeah yeah that
0: sounds very interesting stuff i i like i like chase i like your analysis though that this was basically the original mass singer uh that
1: like (laughs) yeah it's all
0: fucked capitalism's going down but uh there's not gonna be anything good on the other side of it so like let's just wear costumes and do dumb shit and like that's yeah. that was just that's what we all grew up with I mean, that's just that's, youth group that's
2: actually kind of a jet ge- that's kind of a generous interpretation of it too there's also just like there's this like weird you know speaking of like capitalism but like churches tend to be like all you know mostly especially on the smaller side in the protestant tradition mm-hmm. and in america and they're just all volunteer organizations so you end up with like huge swaths of churches being run by overworked volunteers a lot of times mm-hmm. or and overworked preachers, as you guys all know. And so you just end up with this just, like, okay, this, like, person who's, like, just, no offense, you know, nothing wrong with this, but just, like, has a job six days a week and is, like, I guess I'll have these kids come to my house and play Risk, you know? Like, and give them Mountain Dew. Like, that's a thing that happens.
0: True. I, I spent a lot of nights in basically random church members homes overnight.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, and there's like one thing where the community aspect makes sense, especially in an incredibly alienated world. Um Yeah. yeah but, totally. then, but but then there's the absurd the absurd shit that I think is just an interesting phenomenon. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird.
0: It's definitely some of the yeah. strangest stories of my life took place in a youth group setting. Uh and I, I, I look back on that and the lack of, like, any sort of actual oversight over the things that were happening <laughs> to literal children is pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah. Cool. Uh, um, Chase, were you were you a pastor <laughs> for a while? I was, yeah. So I finished up my undergrad doing a pastor, as a youth pastor, on the west side of Indianapolis. And I was there for about a year. Um, I had, at the very end of my college um, season I just got interested in education. I mean I was was you know, very like full of myself and I had no need for education. I had all the answers, right? I grew up understanding Mm. kind of who God was, what life was about, why would I Mm -hmm, need to go mm -hmm. to like seminary or and in college for me was just about like hanging out and and enjoying people. Right. That's really what I, I skipped so I skipped like most of my undergraduate didn't give two shits about like learning or education but my last seminar or my last um semester my i had a professor just knock me on my ass and i became interested and curious about uh about about the world around me and how li- and i realized how little i knew about everything um and so yeah that's so that was like a, a turning point for me but anyways i got interested i i decided i wanted to go to seminary um and i at the time i, I got fired from that position Because of my understanding of sexuality at the time and um, theology, so they wanted they wanted me to say like I was struggling and wrestling, and I was like, well, of course I'm struggling Mm. wrestling with things. Like I think all like like, everyone and everyone we should continue to endlessly struggle and wrestle. But they meant it in like a derogatory sense, right? Yeah. So I was like, fuck. Mm I was like, fuck. I can't stay here. No way. So I'm out. That's yeah. Unfortunately, that's how that happened. But. Uh, that was a important part of my journey as well
0: that's very that's very interesting and, and good good on you for being willing to just be like i'm not gonna pretend because i i do think that is a, mm. a place that a lot of people do find themselves and i i'm sympathetic to where like your beliefs and morality don't align with the organization that is paying you money and sure. uh, and that can be challenging <laughs> right. uh i was also an associate pastor but i you know i functionally youth pastor i ran the youth group uh, for a very small church out in a very rural area of california and i was fortunate in that it was literally just me and the head pastor who was a pretty cool guy so i didn't have to deal with a lot of the same uh you know evangelical nonsense and, and the area that we were in was was just just wrecked by poverty And and this mm. is before any of my sort of like leftist awakening where i could understand systemic needs but as an evangelical kid who came out at 19 to do that even then i was just like well uh most of what i have learned up to this point is entirely useless uh i have to you know figure out what god means in this context at least a little bit and uh and it was it was a very interesting time because so much of what i had grown up in was evangelical culture war shit and now i'm in a situation where it's like all right i'm uh trying to you know minister to and care about this youth uh they don't know how to read they're in ninth grade they read it about a second grade level uh their parents mm-hmm. are on meth mm-hmm. and most of my ministry is like hey i'm gonna try to make sure people have food yeah. um wow. and so it was, it was it was a big shift uh from what i grew up with but it was also very redemptive and probably the only reason i can still had walked the path that i walked to be a christian today is just realizing uh you know how God can speak to those situations and cares about material problems in a way that I never was exposed to in my you know, very small town, not particularly uh, you know, very working class, but still you know, somewhat comfortable Southern upbringing. Uh, and so seeing God work in the midst of extreme need was really powerful. Uh, but I also look back on that time and just wish that I had had some of the knowledge that came later uh, because there are things that I would certainly do differently. Um, of course but yeah. you know we uh we played some guitar hero uh i taught a kid to read we uh took a guy to jail after he threatened some kids with a gun it was a good time
2: yeah
0: <laughs> i don't know if i'd take him to jail now but i i definitely that it was it was it was a unique situation to be in for sure yeah who's ready to talk about the biden administration uh, you know, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm getting a call, guys. Sorry.
2: So I, you know, I think now that we've all established who we are, where we come from, the fact that we all grew up basically indoctrinated with this stuff, um, let's talk about the libs because if you want to talk about indoctrination, you want to talk they about have been that doing.
0: Never realized a, that material conditions matter.
2: Yeah. They have been doing a week-long victory lap that has just that that is only getting more and more insufferable. Mm. At, at one point, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was it was some New York Times sort of columnist being like, "He's going to make America classy again," mm. and he literally used the word "classy." And I just remember thinking, like, "I'm going to become a shooter," and that's not okay. <laughs> like that's that's not a thing I should do. But I ha this man has left me no response. There is no other recourse. We're, we're living in the
0: Mad Men timeline at this point,
2: uh, yeah. <laughs> like falling down. But about me enduring people who are unaware of material conditions, <laughs> and and that's a reference. Very few of our listeners are going to get. <laughs> it
1: is it is really really frustrating though. Right, I, you know, I, at my workplace in the workroom. CNN and MSNBC is playing every single day. And and a lot of people, I mean, they just eat it up. They just swallow it. And they hear, um, apparently, the white fascist riot is have something to do with Russia now, right? And people just kind of regurgitate. Totally. Oh, I saw that. Right? They just regurgitate <laughs> this shit. And I have conversations with my coworkers. Um, and, and I'm very excited.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah what are you doing man <laughs> no,
1: it's like now i have conversations with my co-workers and i mean we're a bunch of like working class working poor folk um and uh our labor force is disproportionately uh, uh women of color and so like if if there is going to be any kind of Organizing happening if there is going to be like serious transformation, I think I think it's going. It has to come from Black folk and from uh, from women and trans persons and gender uh, non sexual nonconformists. But there is there's just such a powerful production of content, right? The liberal ideology, the, the dissemination of of liberalism, um, and its ideas and its values is just so powerful. Every single day, you're either at home like some of my family members watching fox news every single night right every night yeah. um they're not in organizing efforts uh they're not they're not they don't have any relationships other than maybe like a family member right um with yeah. socialists and communists but they're they're going home every night listening to the shit or you're going home and you're listening to cnn and msnbc tell you that Russia and Trump were like hand in hand, and that the problem, or, or it's like something celebratory about the General Lloyd Austin. Uh, he, he was oh, he was yes. a weapons the, uh, contractor, the first black Secretary yeah, of Defense. He was
2: on the board of Raytheon. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> like that's something celebratory. Um, and and yeah. So yeah. So I think that's a challenge that we have to examine and and, and acknowledge. That the knowledge production is controlled by liberal institutions and and it's powerful,
0: <laughs> incredibly so. And it, it's interesting how you know we we see in in you guys ready for this the marketplace of ideas uh, the idea I'm gonna that I'm like, going to kill you. Oh, I'm going to fucking is... kill you. You're going to do it. You would have done it. Alec. come at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we see this idea that like knowledge is getting so fractious and that, uh, you know, it's hard to engage with these ideas because people are getting information from Facebook groups. And there is a certain amount of truth to that. But manufactured consent is as real as it's ever been. Uh, you know, the, these things have not gone away in any meaningful way. And mm-hmm. and yeah, the idea that like uh, the the issue that we are encountering with maga riots is is russia and not america's long history of christian nationalism is uh really troubling because it just we're we're in this moment where we are seeing all of the effects of these terrible things meanwhile people are lying to us constantly about their causes and that makes it very hard to arrive at meaningful solutions and Listen, I and I'm sorry. I just I can't do any more Russia talk. If you say Russia, if you
2: literally say Russia has done anything except be Russia, just fuck off. I I can't I don't care. They have the GDP of like Wisconsin. Like it's just it's not relevant. And if it is relevant, it shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like it can be dealt with. Uh, so people stop. that bought GameStop
0: <laughs> stock have more influence on American politics than Russia. <laughs>
2: Sure. Yeah. Okay. the people that bought GameStop stock have more influence on Russian politics than the Russian government.
0: <laughs> it's uh it's a it's a fascinating time and it's hard because I on the one hand I am I am sympathetic to the very basic idea that orange man bad he gone good. <laughs> sure. Like I I understand that that like that is that is a, a genuinely matters to people. I just also need people to understand that like uh, other man also bad. (laughs) And,
2: and that Americans can't do that. Americans are fundamentally incapable. (laughs) Two men have never been bad. I'm sorry. It's just the way it
0: is. Not, not two white men. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we're in the mad men universe.
2: It's not great. Yeah. And like, like I'm with you. Um,
1: I, I totally understand like the lesser of two evils thing, but unfortunately I think, both culturally, but also actual structural relationships have created this situation yes. where we talk about, we name the lesser of two evils, um, but then we stay at home, uh, or, or all we do is we kind of go to work, right? We go to work, and then when we're out of work, we're consumers, uh, rather than particip- you know, participants in actually trying to, to struggle and fight for a new world. And to me, like, I'm not, on one hand, I don't want to shit on, the, you know, the masses of us, like the the people. I don't want to shit on the people, the working class folk and targeted um, uh, oppressed groups. On the other hand, you know, Franz Fanon, I'm doing a series on him right now with Faith and Capital. Yeah. And he, he also talks about saying, listen, it, if the revolution fails, that's a responsibility of the people. So I so I think these, like, I, I, I kind of go back and forth on not, like, shaming or... or Mm-hmm. Like shaming us in our failure to build movement real people's movements, say here in the US or anywhere in the world. but on the other hand, I want us to hold ourselves accountable. Does that make sense? No What?
2: yeah I have no idea how you bridge that gap and I agree
0: <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. no it was it was beautiful because I, I saw that you were doing that series on Rest of the Earth and it was at, at the time that I was reading it for the first time as a communist like I had read it before in school as a sort of liberal that was struggling to understand it and it's so amazing to come back to it because i i I see these passages that i had underlined you know most of a decade ago being like oh this is interesting what's going on here and i come back to it and it's just so fulfilling to read because uh he cuts through a lot of i think modern discourse and which is amazing because he's writing half a century ago uh but he just says like hey we don't overthrow these systems without violence uh we have to we we can't trust the petite bourgeois to like navigate this for us which is Ooh. i think uh a, some something that like left us even now really struggle with a lot um and uh and he has a lot to say about uh what it means to build an actual people's movement versus a movement that claims to speak for the people and then is happy to continue Uh, to work with uh, you know specifically as he's speaking with the imperialists which Mm -hmm. as you pointed out Craig and one of what I thought was one of your best points in the series as I've listened to it is like hey we need to be listening to Fanon's words as both uh, colonizer and colonized Mm -hmm. and that like we both we as Americans specifically we exist in a a colonial system Mm -hmm. that has benefited radically from from colonialism but we also as americans are exploited and are colonialized and are living in a space where like a very few number of people control uh a huge amount of what it means to be an american and uh it's been uh it's been very edifying and i think one of the things i do want to get to towards the end of this podcast is like christians and revolution because I think that's an interesting uh, conversation to have. Uh, yeah. But for right now, yeah, no, it, it it's tough. Uh, we're in a tough spot because I, I, like I said, I'm sympathetic to the people that want to feel like things are getting better. And I am fully terrifyingly aware of the idea that, like, Biden represents every element of neoliberalism that gave us Trump and a return to him is only going to give us is not necessarily better. I'm not, and I'm not saying that to deny the like small incremental benefits that might happen, but to acknowledge that like, in no way can Biden stop the progression of capitalism that is crushing us all. He wouldn't want to if he had the opportunity.
1: Anyway, and um, why? Yeah, I think that's like a really important thing. What, what you just said, right? Like he he doesn't want to, or maybe he can't. Um, I think both.
2: Well, it, it's definitely both, given that his entire career in Delaware was like. Making love to banks. Was yeah. just what like if, what if I set up a tax talking- shelter
0: in America?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, somehow, somehow made Delaware the Cayman Islands of the. Zach, Eastern I, Seaboard. I think you're being
0: too generous and- when you call it making love. This was some down and dirty fucking.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> Good God. It was just. I but no but no you see I actually disagree it was down and dirty but here's the thing for Biden anyway not the banks yeah. but for Biden it was a pure thing he <laughs> yeah, wanted those so banks to like to know how he felt he wanted those banks to understand that he wanted them to not have to pay taxes on those capital gains oh, man for
0: Biden swiping right on Tinder <laughs> is a genuine <laughs> act of love and care he's only done it once and it was for the banks he swipes on the banks
2: like Biden did, like, <laughs> like this is an Lehman old brothers. note from like a bunch of leftists but biden compared to a lot of these other corrupt pieces of shit like feinstein and like pelosi and all these people like didn't actually make hasn't made a ton of money doing this he would like to sell us to the banks for love of the game baby
0: that is true that is true i mean like listen we can talk about corruption and biden's all day if we (laughs) wanted to get back into some russia talk just kidding guys but no like (laughs) actually he has not enriched himself personally nearly as much as the rest of these motherfuckers like he he truly believes that the the bank should own us all
2: yeah no it's it's there's a sincerity to Joe Biden in his villainy that is fascinating.
1: Yeah, there is this kind of fucked up nature about capitalism where it's not always purely about money. Um, it's also about right. it's all it's also about power and yeah. and our political representatives when they can climb that ladder um, just by. Uh, well, I guess there, there's different reasons, right, that, that people can climb to the top. But um, it's really disgusting to see them up there, whether they're a Trump or whether they're a Biden, whether they're a Harris, um, uh, an Obama or a Clinton. It's just so fucking disgusting. Like when I'm thinking about either my own suffering and exploitation or my own frustration, my own alienation and, and depression, or when I'm thinking about someone else who has it way fucking worse. Um nope. Or, or when like I mean, I've never been to Venezuela, right? But I know, mm-hmm. or Iran, but I know these fucking sanctions are literally burying people, right? It's yeah. making life so much worse in parts of the world where I will literally never go. I'll never, I'll never see these people, and yet I'm like wrapped up in the shit of the U.S. I, I don't know. It just makes me feel really gross.
2: No. It is. It is. It is gross. Evil. I mean. To make you a Christian for a second, one of the ways Michael and I, at least I'll speak for myself mostly here, disagree with a lot of other leftists is I actually do believe in one particular tenet of Calvinism, which is total depravity. And when I look at the rest of the world around me, how can I not believe it? Like, I am complicit in several genocides, and it's like, I'm not trying to be complicit in genocide, sure. but it is true. Like, that is like, it, the slime won't come off of you. Yeah
0: no I, I i think the the like mentioning of like venezuela the global south the middle east like these are these are all really important things to bring up uh because these are these are issues and failures of uh, of america these are these are war crimes and horrors committed under democratic and republican administrations that this this is the most bipartisan shit in america is like we are going to sanction and bomb the fuck out of anyone that we want yeah like if you, are, if you are looking for something that is a core of America, something that unites, uh, you know, as, as Fox and MSNBC would say, this divided moment, uh, the thing that America wants to come together on is bombing the fuck out of some Yemeni's children. Yeah. And uh, there, there is something rotten in the core of, uh, of our, our, I don't want to say national soul because that's, that's a silly concept. But it is something that we will need to reckon with. Uh, both as individuals mm-hmm. trapped in complicit systems and as a nation,
1: Michael. I just want to, I just want to say that um, we do have a soul, and your soul is beautiful. Right? You're, <laughs> a of, you're a part of this national soul. You may not you may not uh, have, feel it in this moment, but I just want you to say we are here for you, and and anytime <laughs> you want to come and accept the love for your soul um, of this nation. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, On Biden's
0: inauguration, the (laughs) healing in America has begun, ladies and gentlemen. I feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Back to brunch, baby. Back to brunch. Where is my fucking mimosa? Build
1: brunch better. I fuck.
2: (laughs) I gotta admit, I fucking love brunch, but I love brunch so much, I didn't let Trump stop me. All you weak bitches stopped (laughs) eating brunch. What's wrong with you? Brunch rules. (laughs) Actually, I hadn't thought about that. I was like, yeah, why did.
1: Why, what, <laughs> what? where did that come from where did why did people stop doing brunch when they wanted brunch I, i'm not for sure but that's interesting yeah it
2: was this like thing that like it i hate that i know this i or maybe maybe you're being <laughs> rhetorical but it was a post about like if hillary were president we would all be at brunch right now oh i remember something like that's that. that's the origin mm-hmm. i remember yeah. something like okay yeah
0: zachary Allen, terminally think, online
2: that yeah though, no. but that's the thing is don't stop going to brunch. Don't let the terrorists win.
1: Like. <laughs> yeah, y'all. Um, one of you all had mentioned concessions, um, and and I think that's actually a really important thing to name. And, and these things are just so absurd, right? Uh, y'all are a comedy podcast, so I think some of this stuff is so <laughs> fucking comedic. Uh, it, I mean, it's sad and disgusting, but it's also like a little comedic. I wanted to bring it up. Um, I think one of the con uh, one of the concessions we could talk about, like, say, raising a poverty wage to a slightly higher poverty wage. But the one that's just been yeah in
0: 2025.
1: I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the one that has been like eating at me recently is all this like um, liberal retweeting and reposting about putting about Biden wanting to like fast track putting fucking the incredible Harriet Tubman, right, who was trained by oh, I trained by her father to kill white people who attacked her, right. So she was she was yes. she was trained, and then she also said that the revolutionary John Brown was the greatest white man who had ever lived, right? They this whole like, well, Biden wants to fast track Harriet Tubman and put her on the fucking U.S. dollar. That that's and that's like supposed to make us all feel better. That's and particularly. No, I, it's supposed to. It's apparently it's supposed to make black people feel really good about their life.
2: It's. I mean, it's the Nay Plus Ultra of a particular brand of empty identity politics, right? Uh, it's it's been done a million times on Twitter. But again, it's like trans people being in the military. It's her being on the twenty dollar bill. It's like, hey, why don't you actually help black folks and trans folks? Because that's not. You know, we know the answer. That's not what it's about. But it's it's a great point.
0: Oh my no, it, it is. I you know even. Even as much as it is like our entire life to like bring up these points right. because they happen all the time. I think it is particularly worth denoting and worth like spending some time on that like a genuine revolutionary spirit who understood that what what do you do with slavers? You fucking shoot them uh, is now being paraded around on money. The thing that all none capital. of us have and is killing all of us. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. all about the Tubmans, baby that's the solution and uh and man like if harriet tubman existed today like biden would put her in gitmo yesterday like there is no question biden would be like shoot her in both legs like there is no part of biden's (laughs) administration that wants anything to do with the actual spirit of harriet tubman absolutely Uh, and yet here we are Debating this while people are starving, hoping for a check that was 2000 and is now 1400 and is going to be, you know, 25 cents by the time it gets to you. And it's also, it's gonna never going to be gonna zero. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's never going to happen. <laughs> it's <was>, fucking <laughs> incredible.
0: No, I it is. Uh, no, go off.
1: Um, I was thinking that within a couple decades, I can't remember what the year is, right? But they're projecting that that black wealth will be negative, right? It'll hit zero and then it'll go negative. So literally the vast, vast majority of black families won't even be able to have a $20 bill to their name. You know what I'm saying? That's, yeah. It's yeah, just – ne-
0: people are never going to see that fucking harriet tubman 20 no it's
1: fucking racial capital
0: it's incredible and at the the risk of being three like heteronormative white men on a podcast screaming about black oppression we should be screaming about black oppression like that is that is what we need to be doing in this moment uh and it's fucking embarrassing that this is being paraded as progress meanwhile similarly you know we talked about harris we talked a little bit about that raytheon executive like the Mm -hmm. emptiness of identity politics being like hey we found members of your community that are oppressors of you and we promoted them to positions of power and that's supposed to make you feel good Mm -hmm. and
2: uh yeah it's it's it's,
0: we've talked about it a lot but it is just
2: it, it, but it still just is this like endless historical irony, and, and it's just it's so it's so awful that we keep remaking slavery in another name, and we build heroes. The only black heroes we have are from the sixties or before, you know, and that's, and even that's then it. we whitewash
0: the it. fuck out of them. As we well, as we saw uh, well, first with Martin we Luther to, King,
2: and and first we have to fucking kill them. and and you know what? I'm really fucking tired of yeah.
1: it. Oh yeah, well you said something about like. Basically, like killing, um, uh, some leaders <laughs> killing our leaders, and I, that's probably that's something else that I think as they left or at particularly like socialists and communists, we will definitely be seeing more of. Um, we had this white fascist riot, right, and the the new MSNBC, right. I saw this at my at my workplace. Uh, I was just constantly talking about wow how did the police like how were they taken over and and (laughs) folks are like well um you know what went wrong and and how did
0: (laughs) how were they forced to take selfies with the rioters (laughs) yeah yeah
1: but they're definitely going to use this as an opportunity to fund the uh and and extend you know the surveillance right we're gonna they're 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 gonna ramp up without a doubt surveillance and policing of poor people of working class people right so i think like or when workers are are organizing now. We're going to face new levels of police repression. This is going to be a new level of of violence against black and indigenous and and, and immigrant communities Um, and also particularly leftist groups. Right, The 60s, 70s, and it was kind of crushed by the 80s. But you had this wave after the civil rights movement of discontent, of trying to be, you know, basically absorbed into the system. In um, these incredible radical leftist communities, really like take the scene, and what happens? You get people murdered in their own beds. Um, you have CoIntel Pro infiltrating groups like the American Indigenous uh, Movement, AIM, um, and, yeah. and Black Le- and the Black Panthers yep. Party, and so they're either killing their killing off their leaders, or they're infiltrating them and causing dissension and tearing them apart. And so that's going to happen well it just hasn't gone
2: away yes. all the black all the people from the black lives matter That's riots true. in 2014 have died under extremely suspicious su- fucking circumstances absolutely...
0: no we we talked about this a little bit uh with scott on one of our previous episodes but like the only thing that these like federal institutions have gotten better at is hiding the murder that they do like they they are yeah. they have only gotten more effective at at giving it just enough pretense that you can't pin it on them. Whereas if you go back to like the twenties, thirties, forties, they're just like, oh no, we brought the Pinkertons in and they fucking killed you. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> and now it's just like, I don't know, we you know they just they just died in their trunk, and uh, who's to say what happened? That's crazy. Um,
2: okay, so this actually feels like an organic place to transition because if I look at the last forty years and i and i and i see that i actually see a security state and a federal government that has only gotten more effective there's only gotten more unified at taking every single event i would say since civil rights and not allowing it to change the market forces or the oligarchy in the least and it takes like you said everything is it involves strengthening the police state or giving more money to the pentagon those are the only two options right like the only two nails that that you have and you only have and then you only hit them with a hammer which is force and so it's been hard for me perhaps you guys both know i to see how any of this can change and maybe this is a good transition to be like okay so what we exist in this really oppressive hegemon what do we do
0: uh zachary confessing to the grill pill right here uh zachary has gotten really into charcoal uh it's like his thing now uh, he yeah man mesquite smoked uh he's just making brisket <laughs> all the time an absurd amount of brisket
2: okay he, dude brisket's good have you ever had a <laughs> chopped brisket sandwich uh, <laughs>
0: get some get some get
2: some barbecue sauce in that baby some pickles a bun so it sounds like you're
1: gonna start a small business huh <laughs> <laughs> like in in the face of this world i'm starting a food truck that's
2: right. That's right. No, no, no. I'm going to. I'm going to start introducing myself as a venture capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it's a. I think it's a really important question, uh, especially because a lot of conversations can be about how shitty and fucked up our situation is. And and I do think it's.
2: Yeah, it's our whole podcast.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Careful with the callouts, there, Chase. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. Y'all, y'all are fucking hilarious. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Um, and or even like when we talk about freedom um or liberation we talk mm-hmm. about like freedom and liberation in the negative sense right freedom from liberation from but there's not as much conversation on freedom too like how first of all mm-hmm. what are we trying to get to specifically inexplicitly? like what kind of world um what kind of relationships what kind of ways of being and relating in the world do we actually want to realize and then also okay but how do we get there and I think there's a incredible like breadth of leftist literature that has gone before us and that people are creating now, but it's not always part of the the conversation. So yeah. So I mean, what do you all think? What do you think we we start doing? Um, particularly Look, as socialist and making, communists, because after I'm this, I'm making sandwiches. After this, right, Michael? No, I'm sorry, Michael. You mentioned that you want to come back to like Christianity and church stuff, but for now, let's think particularly just as like socialist communists
0: and totally. Chase, not to immediately throw your question back on you, but I think one of the things that your podcast and your work does so well is that uh, we here at Shitty Christians like to focus on uh, shitty Christians. Uh, We tend to have a pretty evangelical focus and a lot of the what we do is deconstructing like the problems in evangelicalism, but we don't necessarily focus as often on how to build a meaningful like leftist movement. Now, your question was specifically about what we as socialists and communists do. And it, it reminded me a little bit of a, an article that we've covered on our pod and Adam Joyce, who is a writer that we uh, are going to be having on shortly. But he wrote an article called The Church Must Be Anti-Fascist. Mm. And one of the things that he said in that article was that, like, our calling is to be good comrades. Like, our, co- our calling is not to take ownership of this process, but to stand alongside uh, our, our fellows in arms. And uh, I, I think for me if we're looking at like okay like what what is the next step uh you know i think about a guy that we had on our pod a couple weeks ago gomer who is a communist organizer in la and a lot of what he does is is focusing on very local issues because these are the things where the left as it is right now can make a difference and he does a lot of like tenant interventions for like illegal evictions and he talked a little bit about how like Evictions are tough. Uh, There are unfortunately legal evictions at this moment of national crisis of housing, Uh, but that like illegal evictions were a moment where you can actually make the police stand down if you know what you're doing, and and I think a lot about like how do we as a community of like socialists and communists like take care of our community in the immediate, uh, like now in this Mm. moment where like so many of us are struggling. And I think there is sometimes magical thinking on the left that if you care for people's needs, they will automatically buy into the ideology that informs your desire to care for those needs. And I want to be honest about the fact that like people will accept help without necessarily thinking that what you're doing is is good and right. Uh, but I also want to acknowledge that like, this is what we have right now. Like I, I think we should have a conversation. One of the things I love about faith and capital is that it has, a john brown revolutionary spirit to it there is a real sense of like our faith is going it should call us forward into not just uh service and care but actually trying to dismantle these systems of oppression and i i I do want to get there but if i'm thinking about next steps for the left and next steps for socialists and communists i'm thinking a little bit about like how do we care for our neighbors and i'm curious what you guys think about how we do that in this moment uh where so many of us are in crisis
1: yeah i think you're i think you're naming a really really important part of um, not just our strategy although i think there is a necessary kind of like strategic element to it but also you're naming Mm -hmm. a part of kind of like who we are who we want to be Mm -hmm. Uh, whether as like radical Christians or as leftists, right? Um, And that is we're trying to build um, another world. We're trying to build alternative communities. We're trying to realize other ways of being and relating in the world, yeah, to one another and to ourselves. So I think building alternative communities and doing mutual aid work is really, really essential. And as you named, right, not in a kind of charitable sense where – we are the haves and there are haves-nots somewhere. And we're just going to go kind of help them because that's like the right thing to do. I think there, we, it actually requires this reframing how we understand ourselves in relation to people who are genuinely worse off than us. Um, whether they're racialized differently or, you know, gendered differently or, uh, you know, they're, they don't have healthcare, they don't have housing, right? There's this tendency yeah. is like, well, my life is a little bit better than them, so I don't really have anything in common with them, but I think what I hear you talking about is building other ways mm. of being in relationship with one mm. another, where we do forms of mutual aid work, right, um, that I think is, it, it, it is really fundamental, where we can meet the needs of our neighbors and our loved ones, and we can kind of start to realize a world that we actually want to live in.
0: Yeah totally i i i agree that like there there's something beautiful about the chance to connect uh with people and and you know i i i don't know about uh how do i phrase this both acknowledging the privilege that we as like uh white heteronormative dudes have and also being like yeah we all kind of work jobs that suck (laughs) like we work jobs that exploit us and and that like that is genuinely a thing that connects us to like a much wider swath of our community. And that's not erasing the the differences that need to be cared for and acknowledged, that, that need to be uplifted and, and brought to the forefront. But it is acknowledging that like we are in this together, that that is an act of solidarity, mm-hmm. uh, not charity.
1: Yeah, we have common and different forms of, uh, of of experiences, right? Yes. We have yeah. common and different interests. No, thank you for saying that. And the common interests don't erase our, our different um, situations in life. But one of my frustrations with liberalism and kind of liberal postures of anti-racism is they basically say that, and this also goes to kind of more liberal postures of, of feminism without any class analysis, is like, if you're if you're a white dude, you have nothing in common with with people of color or black people or indigenous people. Um, if you're a white dude, you have nothing in common with um, with women or trans persons or um, gender nonconformists. And I think that is the worst and most insidious lie. It is. It's really really fucking evil, and it actually reproduces not only the extreme forms of anti-blackness and um cis-heteropatriarchy the violence um, against targeted groups minds Mm -hmm. and bodies but it also reproduces the oppression and exploitation of folks like you and uh, uh, us three in this conversation right now because whether we like it or not you know we are working class folk we have zero power over really what happens in our communities right Mm -hmm. and and i i have no i voice or power in my community let alone my city let alone the, the nation but i think it's the lies of like well you know if you're what you know if you're a white dude you know you can basically uh, have the world and and i do think that whiteness right and masculinity these are powerful forms of of privilege but they're also oh uh, sure you know martin luther king talked about eating jim crow the 1890s saw incredible class struggle you had Rural farmers getting thrown off their land, becoming tenant farmers to wealthy capitalists. Then you had the emerging mill workers, these poor working class immigrants from southern and eastern Europe um, who are getting crushed by the most powerful capitalists uh, of that day, the mill owners. And then you had black people who continually were being excluded from real power in the Republican Party. So you had these fusion politics emerging. And the response to the 1890s massive class racial gendered struggle was whiteness. And and King talks about that, right? He says, you know, yeah, he talks about feeding the people Jim Crow because you're so fucking poor... um, that's the only thing you can have is just thinking that you're white or thinking that you're a man. Um, I, I, I think that's a really yeah important thing to kind of deconstruct for us as cis hetero white dudes.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's why I fucking, I, I particularly just despise identity politics. I think it, it really, really is is reproduced to keep us apart and to keep real solidarity and to keep people who should be, you know, the sort of, you know the Rainbow Coalition from Jane, from uh, Jesse Jackson in the '80s, and which is like sort of the the closest thing to a Bernie Sanders style movement uh, bef- between him and like Do- Do- Dobbs, Debs, mm. Debs. And Debs, and and so I I agree I think it's 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 and King obviously talked about it and so I just. It's the thing that grinds my gears, not because I don't care about marginalized communities, but because I want to be unified in with them in their struggle and not being told, you know, and, and that's... I, and I, I see liberalism reproducing these distinctions to protect capital. What do you... What would you...
0: Yeah, I, I, I think if I can if I can nuance my co-host's point, it is not the existence of identity politics, but the uh, specific neoliberal take on identity politics that says that, like...
2: Wait, it's the weaponization of them. Like exactly. obviously, any class struggle needs to be truly uh, uh, intersectional. Intersectional, thank you. Obviously, any tr- uh, obviously any sort of class struggle needs to be truly intersectional. But we also actually have to be unified. We actually yes. have to do it. Like, unions have to be black and white people together, you know, to put it in simplistic terms.
1: Yeah, because the Combahee River Collective is, is the group that, like, started identity politics. And and for them, identity and materiality were not divorced. And so I think that's the difference is, is exactly. basically— neoliberalism's capturing of of identity and the role identity plays in leftist circles for me it's less of a like fuck identity and um, which i don't think that's you know exactly what you're saying but i think that... no that's yeah, not yeah, yeah, what I'm saying. i think it's like identity and materiality are so important but unfortunately when we are in you know more liberal institutions and communities um, they they just reject any kind of material um analysis or commonality i think yeah you're right
0: yeah re- re- rejecting the specific application of identity politics to this moment that can tell you that uh a raytheon exec being in biden's cabinet is a good thing for black people yeah like that that is that is the specific application of what as you called it an ap- uh, a capturing of identity politics that uh, is worthy of rejection. Uh, But I have also, you know, been party to like members of my family that have been in unions that, uh, you know, did passionate worker movements and also thought that like, immigrants were bad for jobs mm. and that is why it is also very important to me to say that like our worker movements must be actively anti-racist actively uh sex inclusive actively uh, uh you know open to gender non-conforming people because i have seen you know how worker movements can themselves become racialized and captured by the same problems that we live under now uh and I don't want that to be our workers' movement. I don't, you know, that is, that is very much, you know, the, it's obviously just rhetoric. Trump doesn't give a shit about workers, period. But he made a claim that connected with too many people about workers that was just grounded in racism. And I, I think we do have to be on guard against both things. The neoliberal capturing of, like... Oh, well, identity politics just means here's one famous black person and the conservative movement that says, like, well, to protect workers, we must do a fascism. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, So we talked about building community. Um, Michael, you you were naming like joining or or family, like participating in, in labor groups. And I do think collective struggle which has kind of been a, a theme of this conversation already, but just participating in, in or maybe even, ha- you, you might have to like start um, radical community labor and tenant, organiza- uh, t- tenant organizations. I think that's really, really fundamental. Building alternative organizations that are, are explicitly anti-racist, explicitly feminist, um, explicitly anti-US imperialism, if you're in the US, and, mm. and, and because the changing of our analysis of things, right. Unfortunately, a lot of our older labor unions have been, again, like captured by um, yeah. more liberal unionists yeah. rather than being led by socialists
0: and mm. communists. Which is why my conservative relatives can yell at me about how unions are bad, which is fucking absurd. <laughs> yeah. But they like, yeah, so they, tired. Can, they can use that as a ploy to be like, well, you know, <laughs>
1: But um, raising and radicalizing the consciousness, uh, for, for that's, whether that be for ourselves or for our communities, I think that has to be connected, if not primarily through organizing efforts. And we, we don't have organizing efforts. We don't have many organizing efforts going mm-hmm. on right now. Um, if we think about the civil rights movement, there were mass mobilizations, but they were built on incredible community, uh, you know, decades, if not almost like a century-long, centuries-old institutions and communities whether they be labor organizations right i mean we think about the 40s and 50s the yeah. radical burst of of labor organizing we also think about the black church that was uh, that was incredibly left for the you know the first century plus of its existence but with the birth of neoliberalism unions got crushed or I mean, I mean, unions were starting to get hit before then, but unions were kind of put in the grave since then. So we don't have labor organizations. We don't have tenant organizations. And a lot of our churches are incredibly neoliberal, um, if not predominantly right-wing. So we have to understand that any kind of movement in the future is going to require probably decades of establishing new organizations, new communities, new institutions that are explicitly, you know, for,
0: uh, radical transformation. What do y'all think about that? Michael? <laughs> uh, I think you're right. And I think it makes me scared. Cause I think we're on a timer and, uh, maybe may I, I don't want to be doom pilled about it, but, uh, you know, if I look at, uh, climate situations, if I look at the rapidly accelerating, uh, you know, late stage capitalism, I, I worry that like, the organizing that is, I agree, absolutely a necessity to our movement, that we must, we must build these things, that we have been dealing with in a, a very effective ideological battle against worker movements and against uh, class consciousness in our country and the world for a very long time to where, you know, my more conservative relatives can tell me, how can you be a socialist socialism has always failed also i refuse to acknowledge what the cia has done in the global south like (laughs) i refuse to acknowledge how the game was rigged from the start but because uh these countries have struggled in these ways according to the media that i i imbibe that means that your ideology is totally wrong like i i agree that like what can we do but start locally and start building these movements and i also you know if i'm being honest struggle with the reality of the challenges we face uh as a world
2: yeah i mean if we're going to bring climate into it i think the conversation you can't there is no hope for the climate on the time timeline straight up the climate i i i don't think there's a single argument that says it's realistic we will save the climate we should fight for it we need to fight for every fucking degree celsius we're not going to do it um on a, on a realistic timeline that doesn't mean mass extinction putting that aside for
0: a second because that <laughs> makes this too much i'm mass sorry extinction aside for just a moment guys have well, i okay. mentioned my grill it has many it's... fine charcoals many meats have been smoked upon it
2: well but that's the thing is like you can't, it, it, it's such a big conversation to talk about. I think climate collapse that like, it honestly would overwhelm the rest of it. Like you, you actually kind of have to kind of like put it aside for a second that I, I agree with Michael, which is a boring take Uh, that like, we have to start organizing locally, but I too am just like, man, I think about the climate all the time and it really does make me just want to grill. Cause it's like, well, that's gonna be a real, the seas are going to come and wash us away anyway. <laughs> You should definitely uh, grill. If, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that this is the pro grilling podcast, <laughs> Zachary. I'm
0: just going to tell you, unless that is some vegan uh, beef that you are grilling, I'm going to cancel you. That's fair. Um, That's fair. No, I, uh, if I can push back against my own point, and then we'll get back to you, Chase. Uh, the other thing uh, that we've talked about before is like the path is the same no matter what our situation is. Like exactly. Like we have to fight right and like things uh things that feel inevitable and uh, you know absolutely overwhelming are until they aren't and uh that was true for the divine right of kings and that might be true for capitalism too if we play our cards right
1: yeah and a little bit of kind of our our faith and our theological uh experience of this all is when i hear first of all when i feel myself and then when i hear other folks talk about like But we have to fight right and i think it's so true um i think of the the scriptural text when peter pulls jesus aside and he basically like hey there has to be another way right so jesus has said listen this is going to happen and then the guards come and they're all freaking out they're pulling out their swords um and and jesus and again peter's like listen let's let's just try something else right um Can't we just do something that makes us feel a little more comfortable? Um, But Jesus is like, no, like we have to choose solidarity. We have to choose to carry, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. the the burdens uh, uh, of the cross. So I do think like we have within our theological tradition and our faith tradition, this compelling notion where it's like, even if we lose, even if we end up on the cross, we remain faithful to the people. We remain faithful to our values. We remain faithful to our conviction that that people should not be governed um, by uh, by capitalism and, and imperialism. Right? That that people should be free um, and encouraged and enabled to democratically and collectively uh, govern ourselves. Yeah. So so, anyways, I, I think there's for me that always pops in my head. It's like. Even if there is a question yeah. about whether we may lose or not, there, there's something compelling about that that story that reminds me. It's like, well, it doesn't matter because yes, I'm here for winning, right? right? I I am very much in here for winning. We need good theory, we need strategy, and we need to be kind of relentless about it. But also, it's like even if we lost, it's just who we fucking should be. It's who we should be. It's who we are, right? As Christians or as communists
0: i think that's really powerful and i think that speaks to like something we've talked about on the pod before that like actually it can be really encouraging to to read the past of labor movements and even those failures and those struggles the fact that people were willing to carry that battle and fight those things and that there were in fact victories along Mm. that path and that that doesn't erase the suffering and challenge of that but it does speak to the reality that like human beings can enact change and our call is to do it regardless and and i i think you're saying something really powerful that like hey whether win lose or draw this is how we go down um and i i I think i think that's uh that's worthy of carrying uh and and is you know in, in many ways a powerful antidote to to the doom pill that says like fuck it i'm gonna buy some more nokia stock and see how this rolls I'm not anti-buying nokia stock by the way fuck hedge funds <laughs> if, you, if, if you can if you can make that play go for it i don't understand any of that shit but uh you're you're only that's... betting against bad people so fuck it um, yeah if you can win go for it uh, but uh but no i i think that's a that's a beautiful thought and absolutely in keeping with our faith i which is littered with people that were willing to uh to fight radically and i I think so often i think of concepts like martyrdom or suffering in connection with our evangelical upbringing uh i think of those i i don't know that i've fully deconstructed my own upbringing of thinking of those things as like oh well you know suffering for your faith means you call yourself a christian when there's a gun to your head and the (laughs) in fact if we look in scripture yeah yeah exactly but leaving aside the dc talk book of martyrs for a second if we actually look at the history of our faith uh we are called to radically care for our neighbors and fight for their rights and values and there might be a lot more suffering along that path but it is Hmm. still worthy
1: yeah i think that's well said so, so then let's like dive in particularly around the Christians and, and Christian communities. So what do you all think that Christians could be or should start doing in this, in this moment?
0: Is buying guns going to get us in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> in, in America, historically, no. <laughs> yeah, no. We're fine. We're fine. I mean, historically speaking, evangelical Christians already have all the guns, so it's fine. Uh, yeah. No, uh, that is a good question. Um, I think that there, are, I I don't know that I have very smart thoughts. Again, the, the the title of our podcast is Shitty Christians, that applies to both. Yeah, us I don't and appreciate the question. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, yeah, I don't appreciate the question for because you're assuming i know what i'm talking about and like that you know Listen, that's ableism we, we, and i don't uh, appreciate bring it on
0: people if we want people to say smart things so hello welcome to the program chase
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah you know you know what i'm actually offended by is that you've clearly never listened to the show <laughs> no no
1: no honestly like we we i think we're doing one of the things that i think christians should be doing is we're literally having a conversation yeah. about what should be done right like there, not all churches and communities are even have the guts to fucking have this conversation, but that's something that, um, you know, if you're a listener, whether you're a pastor or you're a lay person, um, whether you have some kind of seat of power in your community or not, this is, these are conversations that you should push and you should, you know, put on the forefront in your communities. Um, Asking, okay, listen, these things are happening in our local community, uh, this this form of violence, whether it's gendered, racialized, classed, right? All of the above. Um, also, uh, we see some certain trends happening with the new Biden-Harris administration, or as you all talked about with climate change or, or fascism, right? So what can we do on a local level? Um, I, I think just the conversation is is definitely step one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure, for sure, and I, I, I think one of the things you said on Twitter the other day that it was it was very depressing to see people of faith claiming Biden and Harris as a victory, mm. uh, that this was a victory for our faith, that this was this was in and of itself worthy of praise and support, and uh, I I think as I think about next steps, I think about two things. I think about how do we build an anti-fascist mm. church, and 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 for the record, I'm including. The neoliberalism that inevitably leads to fascism in that question. Like, how do we build a church that is powerfully an antidote to the material issues that we face today? And I I, I'm also thinking a little bit about how do we encounter the Christian nationalism that we saw storm our capital a couple weeks ago? And I don't want to be like over dramatic about a uh selfie op that this was basically the uh fringe right version of like instagram influencers renting out a fake plane for an afternoon so they can take selfies it, and pretending it was to be Q, a private jet. It was Q Romspringer. Yeah, but it but it there is it was so undeniably Christian coded in a way that like mm. I think is worthy of encountering in our own you know we have to own the fact that whether you know these people are claiming the name of christ as they do this ridiculous shit um and uh i think those are all things worthy of consideration and one of the things that i really appreciate about faith and capital is that there is a real uh john brown revolutionary spirit to the work that you do there is a real belief that like as I listen to it, that like the things that uh, we as Christians are called to be a part of might be genuinely revolutionary, not just like incrementally leftist or incrementally uh, taking steps. And so with all of that preamble said, let's open the floor. Guys, what's our next step? Chase,
2: please. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm over here t- t- tasting this brisket. What, what's, what's on your <laughs> mind? I've got
0: a sword that I've just been sharpening for a while. Um, <laughs> if, if anyone wants to meet me in Kentucky. That's <laughs> hilarious. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to make a, a peanut butter
1: milkshake after this one. But um, So <laughs> I do think that one thing that folks can be doing is, for, first of all, we just named, to, to fight something like fascism, to fight the, the white mobs um, and the white terrorism that will only increase, to, f- to take on the social and political and, and military repression right? Um, in, in the U.S. We have to start, again, these, these radical organizations and institutions. We need to be building community and doing mutual aid work. We need to be focusing on raising and radicalizing our consciousness and base building. Um, mm-hmm. But for Christians, let's start with doing the hard work of cultural and theological transformation in our own communities, um, right? Whether that's putting on events or putting on conversations, but I think that's that's one thing. Another thing is 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 starting to edge, starting to push our communities to choosing sides, right? Because one of the things that liberalism says is that there, you know, there are no sides. We're all just a bunch of fucking individuals. Unity, yeah, yeah, unity. Or the only sides are basically this A class, right? This, this non-class. This, um, like capitalism is good, but there's only kind of division along signs of, of race and gender, um, which is those are liberal um, approaches to uh, anti racism and feminism. But, but I think totally. pushing folks to commit um, to choosing sides, right? Participating in publicly supporting and then financially funding good work being done locally against, again, the various forms of oppression and exploitation in our own communities. Um, whether those are excellent kind of anti-racist mutual aid groups happening or, or, or some feminist work being done or some labor and tenant groups uh, organizing in your community or also globally, right? Um, let's publicly support and then financially fund movements that are taking on U.S. imperialism and neocolonialism. So, so I think those are uh, that's, a, that's a second thing that, that churches can be doing. Um, is actually participating yeah. in, supporting and then and then funding, organizing efforts, mutual aid organizations and and then real people's movements.
0: Yeah, uh, not to get too personal, but both me and Zach were attending a church that uh, as the summer hit and there were a lot of uh, Black Lives Matter rallies happening, our church ended up hosting the LAPD and giving them Uh, a base of operations uh for their work against some of the protests that were uh, happening in that area and that was sort of the moment there were there were already a lot of it was a very purple church and for for uh, several years both me and zach felt fairly invested in the idea that like hey there's there's a meaningful conversation and dialogue happening here between these more conservative elements and these more progressive ones and that like this is this is something worthy of our interaction and at that point it sort of became clear that what whatever the work certain members of that church were doing uh the power structure was going to you know unequivocally side with the cops mm. uh you know every time and <laughs> as uh, it
2: tends to do
0: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah as, as historically speaking the church is often done um and you know we talked about uh uh Wretched of the Earth and Fanon earlier, but he specifically name checks, you know, the church as a, a harbinger of colonialism and as a, as a, a sister to it uh, in colonial contexts. Uh, but yeah, it was a moment where we very shortly afterwards left the church and realized that, like, yeah, like what we are looking for is a faith community that is no longer debating what what side we're taking in these struggles, but is actively on the side of justice and on on the side of you know unequivocally and unapologetically where god would be where god is in this situation and uh you know i I still think there's work to be done in purple churches and i i don't think that's necessarily a bad place for for leftists to be because there are conversations and dialogues that are valuable there but at the point where harm is being done uh we just felt like it was time to uh seek out a community that wasn't uh playing uh playing hostess to the cops yeah,
1: absolutely not
0: <laughs> yeah i think
1: that's a great point and and that can really suck i think a lot of folks are in situations where it, it's honestly it's really lonely to be to be a yeah. socialist or communist um, i know i've felt that uh, me and my partner ever since we moved to charlotte and and then you top on you know you throw on covid where you really i mean it's not like you can just say hey who wants to start a uh, a house church tomorrow. Oh wait, there's fucking COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to stay
0: here at least for the foreseeable future, right? Um, yeah, the only people that are meeting at churches now are apples. So <laughs> <That's> fuck. <true. laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, So, so on one hand, you know, we've named two things. I think there's the internal work Whether that's through liturgy, whether that's through um, events, whether that's through book clubs or putting on different kinds of, yeah, again, like conversations, doing that internal work, assessing how your particular community um, is culturally and theologically producing certain values and and beliefs and ways of being in your community. Um, And then the second thing we named, right, was explicitly never... Ever hosting cops um, at your at your <laughs> at your church, right? Um, but actually funding and and creating safe places for maybe there are workers in your community. It's really really terrifying to to organize your workplace, right? They may need a safe place. Also, yes. um, tenants tenants need safe places to be uh, having conversations against their landlords. Or right, right there's all these different groups that need spaces, and so. I think we need to hand it over right, to whatever mm-hmm. the people's needs are. And then the third thing I wanted to throw out there was I think religious communities in general, whether they're distinctively Christian or not, but the few religious communities, organizations, and institutions that are explicitly um, for socialism need to be coming together and building networks and relationships together, right? Because that relationship, I think, is so fundamental. Again... We, we we didn't talk about it too much, but like base building is so fundamental right now. Like folks are like, Well, let's like try and pass a statewide, you know, moratorium on eviction. Let's cancel rent all year. And that stuff is like really, really important and good, but that's not gonna happen and it really shouldn't happen without the people themselves deciding we're going to make that happen. So as we mm-hmm. start these micro communities and organizations locally, whether that be again, like Michael, where are you at again?
0: Uh, Los Angeles.
1: Yeah. Los Angeles or over here in Charlotte. Eventually our religious communities need to build networks and relationships together. Something I think the Institute for Christian Socialism is, is actually envisioning and trying to do, but, and we're so few, um, that we really do need to come together and support each other and encourage each other and also learn from each other.
0: No, 100%. And, uh, uh, I think that's part of why it's fun to uh, you know guests on each other's podcasts and invite you to drink this uh, Big Mac slurry that I have prepared for you. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it's really good. it's really good stuff. All very valuable words. Thank you for saying smart things. We really appreciate it, dude.
1: That's, Oof, man, I was wor- I was worried I was going to be called upon. All right, you're up. What do you think uh, Christians should do <laughs> I, in the I, face of persecution from atheists?
2: yes yes thank you now i'm ready i'm ready so you know you like you like make sure that you take your kids uh, out into the woods and teach them how to shoot and like what they do need to do if they survive kind of like in a mel gibson scenario you know the world is ended or something and they're coming to kill all the christians and you, you know you have to protect your family your home what's yours
0: tune in to uh zachary's <laughs> script for god's not dead five the reckoning oh my
1: that's god that's right
0: that's right look listen do i do i need to know how to handload
2: my own ammunition now no but when they come for the christians the way the romans did i will then
0: okay this but unironically <laughs> for leftists <laughs> oh my god. i i don't really have any like great
2: answers in part because you guys have covered it all sort of top to bottom i think don't say you guys when
0: it was chase let's give chase the credit you're right i'm sorry
2: when chase said a bunch of cool insightful shit and michael did fart noises with his mouth like i don't i don't have a lot to add because chase did the cool shit and michael did the fart noises which are usually Uh my uh bit yeah thank you but If you're, like, a person who, you know, a lot of people are just kind of, like, struggling and don't have a lot of time or money or effort to do anything, I want to say that's okay. Yeah. You can survive. You can try to take care of yourself. But I do think there – if you have sort of the resources beyond that and you only have a little bit, it's okay to, like, help the kid out in your apartment building who needs to learn how to read. It's okay to give the homeless dude on your street a meal. You know? Like, it is – you know, it is all kind of taking care of the poor, the orphans, and the widows. That is true religion. And, and I do think at the end of the day, it is, you know, those, those, if we all keep doing those small acts, it will also be a part of this. Zach,
1: I actually think that's really, really important and, and profound because I think a lot of folks feel exactly what you just said, right? This feeling of, listen, I work 50, 60-hour weeks. Um... I'm really depressed or I don't have, you know, much Mm -hmm. cash. So what can I really do? Right. Um, I was in a conversation with one of our, uh, a person who wanted to join our tenant union recently. And Mm -hmm. and he was like, listen, um, me and my fiance, you know, we just got pregnant. And so I'm working like absurd hours um, trying to scrap up some, some cash because we're starting this, you know, we're starting this family. And Mm. and he was like, how do, how do people do it? How do organizers do it? Where do you find the time? And I do think there's this belief that it's like, Oh, to be a communist or socialist, you have to like clock out of work. And then you just like, you just don't do anything except you're like religiously on the streets. And that's, I don't think that's what we're trying to do. Again, this is like a long-term vision. We have to understand that like organizing and and building these alternative organizations and institutions will take a long time. So I would encourage folks, you know, maybe there are some things, maybe we've created habits. Like I know like I I myself, right, there have been times where instead of going home, doing any kind of educational work throughout the week, doing any kind of taking care of my body or my mind or my spirit um, or participating in any group, I would just like binge Netflix and just drink and eat pizza. Right. Um, Red Baron is like my
0: go-to like my hero. Oh God. Yes. Classic Mm. crust pepperoni. Haven't done it in a while, but a lot of good memories. Shout outs for that terrible, terrible habit. Yeah.
1: But so, so maybe folks, you know, you don't have to like leave your family, right. And quit school and just, just, all you do is organize i think you can i think we can set aside small amounts of our time right now though right and and slowly yeah. build these communities and organizations you don't have to dive in and just kind of like cancel all of your life and your and your hobbies we're not trying to we're, we're actually trying to build alternative communities which is i think what i hear you, um you're pointing out is that that can kind of get lost as well in this whole organizing conversation, in this whole like socialism, communism stuff, um, but it really is about building alternative communities, and that requires us taking care of one another, um, which means saying, "Listen, you're tired. You had a busy work week. Don't worry about coming out to the meeting. You know, this next week, or, or just take a to take a break." Yeah. I think it's a hard balance, but I think it's an important conversation. Oh, I think it's an important conversation for sure to be having.
0: No, I, I think that's really valuable, and I, I, I think there is there's something to be said for, like, we are so solidarity-starved in this country, and we are so community-starved that I know that the times in my life where I've been able to, like, invest in um, community action, whether that was anything from uh, being a part of Food Night Bombs in Sacramento or doing, you know, religious food distribution work in L.A. or, you uh, i I don't want to name more things or even like a a freeform community radio station that was a part of Mm. uh like these things that like take energy do do that but i i was always surprised by like how meaningfully they like gave to and i i agree like we are all living under really exploitative capitalism we all have to like figure out how to build this into our lives without it like taking over our lives but i also just want to acknowledge that like we need like it means it means shit for you to care for other people like it does take energy that that is real there are costs there like that needs to be acknowledged but like there is a um spiritual if you want to call it that but psychological as well like the chance to like care for your neighbor uh can can mean a lot in a world where so much of your life is just trying to get fucking by Mm. uh And the times where I have like had energy and effort to do that have always paid dividends, even though they do, they do take energy and they do cost and that does need to be acknowledged and calculated. But like, fuck man, like we are all, (laughs) we we are all in this together and it's nice to make material change or at least fight for material change for that too. I'm down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Is there anything else we need to carry before we get out of here?
1: Oh, y'all want to go run to Taco? Bell. Not that I know. Yeah. If, uh, do you, do we want to just wrap up on a prayer and hit Taco Bell?
0: Hell yeah, dog! <laughs> hell yeah. I love yeah. Taco Bell. Praise, uh, prayer requests or unspoken's? Let's do it.
1: <laughs> unspoken's? Um,
0: I That's I sad. haven't unspoken. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've got I've got fifteen unspoken's. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. My unspoken is jacket? I'm just going to tell you right now. That's it, it always is. It always has been. (laughs)
0: Oh, god, too fun, Chase. This has been really fun. Thank you, thank you for making the time for this. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about solidarity on this podcast, and uh, it's really nice, really nice to hear somebody with some actual thoughts uh, speak on this podcast.
1: No, and and I appreciate the work y'all are doing again. I think, like so many folks. You know they're they're into it, right? They're they're all for uh, you know building a better world, but laughing is also a part of the world that I want to build. Like I want to laugh more. Um, it's hard to laugh in this world, and so the 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 comedy and the joy and the goofiness that you all bring is really is like an important and fresh air to uh, Christian comrades. So I appreciate y'all. This has been fun.
0: No. this has been very You're fun kind. Uh, for any listeners that might be shitty christians listeners and this is their first time hearing chase uh may i recommend a couple things uh one i know it's a little past date at this point but he did an advent series that i personally found like really compelling really convicting uh definitely worthwhile they're like short episodes uh and so even though we are out of an advent season i think they're really worth digging up and also he is currently going through a series on rest of the earth uh that is uh one of the best like uh one-sided book clubs you could do lots of great thoughts there definitely check those out they're great starting points uh also uh i'm gonna blank on her name melissa bixler she uh-huh. has a, a...
1: Flora bixler uh-huh
0: yes uh she did uh, uh, pardon
1: yeah did the one on family
0: Exactly. Uh, there's there's a great interview uh, with Chase with her that um, uh, I thought was incredibly valuable. She talked a lot about family. Uh, she talked a little bit about like knowing your enemies. Uh, just a, just a great starting point for a very good podcast. So if anyone is looking for where to dive into some faith and capital, start there.
1: Yeah. Much appreciated, y'all. y'all uh, this been super fun. No, 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 no.
2: All right.
0: All right. All
2: right. All right. Hitting stop.
0: I'm gonna pause my recording.
2: All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Hitting stop.
0: I'm gonna pause my recording.